Thank you, Mike and Debbie and Brian and Brian for helping us through a time of worship this morning. We, uh, we started a series last week called Let God Lead, and we started by just saying some basic principles that my mama taught me. Well, today we're going to look at uh, the next step, which is that everybody follows something. And before we get into all that, though, I wanted to say that this season that we're in right now as a church is a critical one. Because we need to make sure that we are following God's lead, both individually and as the body of Christ here in Hartford. It is so important that we look for him for direction and that we let God's spirit move and lead us to where we should go into the future. I think there is great hope for the future here at Hartford Christian Church. And I want every single one of us to be following his lead. So with that said, we're going to start with the scripture. Last week we looked in the book of Proverbs, this week we're going to look in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, and I would like for everyone to read this along with me, beginning verse 11, you make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now what does that scripture tell us? It tells us that if we are to follow God's lead then he will lead us down the right path. That a Jesus follower finds fulfillment. And that's really what we're looking for in life. Every one of us wants to be fulfilled in our marriage, with our family, with our job, with our service, with our church. We want to find fulfillment in all things. And we sometimes seek that fulfillment in things that don't bring glory and honor to God. But if we are following Jesus in every aspect of our life, God's word promises that we will find fulfillment in that. Jesus' followers find fulfillment. Now today is kind of a special Sunday that we don't really talk about very often. Does anybody know what today is, the the Sunday is? This is the seventh Sunday after Easter, which is a special day in the church calendar. It's the day of Pentecost. And on Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit descended on the group of believers that were gathered together in Jerusalem, that the tongues of fire separated and came to rest on them. They were able to speak in unknown languages to the the disciples, and they proclaimed the good news, and we really look at Pentecost as the birthday of the church. Now, you better believe that that early church needed God to lead them. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit into their lives. And what's interesting is the time frame that passed between Jesus going back to heaven and the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven was 10 days. So for 10 days, what did those disciples do? They gathered together and they prayed and they waited. And sometimes to follow Jesus, it takes patience. It takes us gathering together, praying and waiting for the Lord to move. But they didn't wait forever. Because when God moved, they had a mission and they went out and they proclaimed the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. So that early church needed God to lead them. We today need God to lead us. And it's so important that we follow his lead. Remember, Jesus' followers will find fulfillment. Because everybody, whether they know it or not, follows something. Everyone follows something. You might say, well, okay, that 
Yeah, on social media. That's what we're talking about. If you have a Facebook or a Twitter or an Instagram, if you're into any of that stuff at all, you know one of the things you do is you follow celebrities, you follow different pages, maybe they have recipes. I see some people post some really delicious looking recipes on there. Maybe you follow your friends and family. There's even a thing where you can highlight that you see their stuff first. So if you have family members that you want to just make sure you don't miss any of their pictures, any of their updates, you can highlight that to see it first. And so we, you know, we talk about following pretty frequently if you're into social media. Now some of you are like, I'm not into any of that stuff. I don't do social media. I, you know, I got a computer, but I, you know, I send email or I, you know, I, I, I type stuff. I don't do social media. So I'm, that's not really me. Well, you still follow something. Everyone follows something. So what is it that you follow? Maybe it's the example that your parents left you. Does anybody do something exactly the way their mom did because that was mom's recipe or that was dad's way of doing something? We follow the example left behind by uh, our loved ones. Or maybe you're just set in your ways. Maybe you have figured out the best way to drive from your house to church and you know exactly where to go and nobody's telling any different. You know exactly the way you want it to follow. We all follow something. But you might say, you know, I don't do any of that. Okay? I don't do any of those things. Well, Groucho Marx once said, the old comedian, he said, Only one man in a thousand is a leader of men. The other 999 follow women. And all those who were married, all the married men said, amen. Which is funny because I just experienced this myself. Some of y'all, if you saw, I posted on Facebook, we, my wife and I, Lindsay, we celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. It's actually tomorrow, but we went out this weekend and stayed a nice little bed and breakfast. And it's kind of funny because about a month ago, she gives me these two bed and breakfast. She says, here, we're going to go to a bed and breakfast on our, uh, celebrate our anniversary. Why don't you pick which one? I thought, okay, I'm going to pick which one. But then I thought about it. I was like, that's pretty sneaky. <laughs> she told me where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do, and she made me think that I had the option of choosing what we were doing for our anniversary. But really, she had it all planned out. And I picked the right one, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> Got some brownie points there. Um, another example. This is something that we used to do uh, when I was in college. It's kind of like... You ever get in like a crowd of people, get a few of your friends together and get in a crowd of people. And wherever you are, if you're maybe you're just outside Walmart or something, or if you're in a crowd at somewhere, just start staring up at the sky. Maybe point every once in a while. You know, if you got a friend next to you, maybe you don't even have to say anything. Just stare up at the sky. And if enough people see you doing that, you know what's going to happen? A crowd's going to gather around. And pretty soon, you can slip out, and all these people are going to be staring up at nothing because they were following your example. Now, I don't just observe this from, from life itself and from being married and all that. The scripture actually tells us that we are meant to follow, that, that we, there, there is a design in us. And so we're going to look at scripture this morning and take a look at what that means. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you please bow with me? 
Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here. And Lord, we pray that as we look at how we're designed and we look at what, uh, what it means to follow you this morning, I pray that each one of us would be aware of the areas in our life where maybe we're following something other than what your plan is for us. And God, I pray that we would be aware of that and we would uh, turn that over to you because your way is the best way. Your way is the only way for us to find the fulfillment, the purpose, the, the, the passion in our lives. And so, God, I thank you that you want to lead us. And I pray that each one of us would follow with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at the fact that everyone is created a certain way, created to be a follower. We're going to look at what it means to follow something. And then we're going to, fo- we're going to conclude with how to test and know what it is you're really following. So the first point that I want to make this morning is that we are designed to worship. It is in our DNA. We are created by God that we are designed to worship him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust and the ground of the dust, dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now, this word breath of life, this phrase is very interesting because in the original language here, the original Hebrew language, the word for breath and the word for spirit was used interchangeably. And so what this is really telling us is that God took some of his spirit and breathed it into mankind. And that's what makes us set apart and different. That's what makes us unique from all other creation is that God took his breath and put it inside of us and gave us a living soul. This makes us unique from all other creation. God breathed into us. This happens to every person when they are being formed in their mother's womb. Another time in scripture that the breathing is equated to the giving of spirit can be found in John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, at surface level, that's kind of a weird scripture. I was joking this morning with Wayne Crow that I had eaten a mint, so I wasn't going to offend him with my breath. You know, I might offend you maybe up here with something I say, but... You know, my breath won't be offensive to you. You know, I'm not one who really likes people breathing on me, especially if they're intentionally doing it. But Jesus was intentional here. He said, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was imparting on them just as God in the creation of mankind gave us some of his spirit to be our spirit. Jesus was now signifying that those who are followers of Christ are also going to receive the Holy Spirit of God to partner with our spirits. Brian Ward, thank you for that this morning. You mentioned that in your, your, uh, your offering meditation. So that breath that we receive from God, we are a unique person that's given the breath of God, and every Christian is also given the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. And then Romans 8.16 tells us that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So our spirit works with God's spirit and testifies that we are a child of God. 
a unique creation with a unique purpose. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. God says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by not my name, whom I created for my glory and whom I formed and made. You want to know what your purpose is here? You were created for God's glory. It is your design. That is his intention is that you worship him and bring him glory. That's what we're here for. But we oftentimes confuse what that is that we're worshiping and we don't worship God. We, we forget that. We are hardwired to worship something and it's supposed to be God, our creator. But oftentimes other things get in the way. Kyle Eidelman, he's one of the preachers over at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he said in his book, God's at War, worship is the built-in human reflex to put your hope in something or someone and chase after it. It is the built-in human reflex to put your hope in something or someone and then to chase after it, to pursue it. So the question is this morning, what are we chasing after? What are we chasing after in this life? Because the things that we follow are the things that we worship. The things that we follow are the things that we worship. What we follow is what we worship. So what are we following? What are we following in this world? Sometimes it's people. Sometimes we look at our leaders, we look at our political leaders, we look at our church leaders, we look at our bosses, we look at people in our community, and we put our hope in people. The Bible says not to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul is addressing an issue in the Corinthian church. These people are arguing over who the better teacher was and who the one was that they follow. It says in verse 12, what I mean to say is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow Christ. He says, that's ridiculous. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? He says, no, we don't follow any person because no person can save. There's only one person who died for your sins. There's only one person you're baptized in the name of, and that is Jesus Christ. So to put our hope in any other person in this world is foolish. We're not to do that. It was causing divisions in the church. And Paul says that shouldn't be. It's not just people, though. Many of us follow things. We follow stuff. We have our own desires and things that we pursue. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now will tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It says that 
They are enemies of the cross of Christ because their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. It means that they are pursuing, they are following, they are worshiping their own desires, the sin that's in their life, and their own hopes and dreams. They have forgotten that their citizenship is in heaven. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe they're following what they think is best for their life. Maybe it's the cares of this world that have overwhelmed them. They just want a comfortable life. They want to make sure that everything is in place for retirement. They want to make sure that their kids and their family are taken care of to the point that it overwhelms their desire. They've forgotten where their citizenship is and they are following the wrong things. The Bible says that anything that we follow that takes the place of God is an idol. And idolatry is at the root of every sin. You might say, wait, wait we don't have statues in our house. We don't, we, don't, we don't have these carved images on the walls. We, we don't do any of that stuff. What do you mean idolatry is at the root of all sin? Well, Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 20 tells us, list the Ten Commandments. And of all the Ten Commandments, this is probably the one that most people think I'm okay with. But look at what it says, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, when we read the word before, we think of like a priority list. Like God's number one, and then everything else, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But that's not what that means at all. It's not like you list your favorite ice cream. You know, like for me, my favorite ice cream is Ben and Jerry's strawberry cheesecake. I love that stuff. The little tub, I mean, I can just down it like that. The, the graham cracker they put in there, it's just awesome. But you know what I also like? I like Baskin-Robbins pralines and cream ice cream. Got some of that when we were celebrating this weekend. That's good stuff. But you know, I'm also a kind of a plain person. I, I like vanilla. Vanilla goes with just about anything. Put it on some pie, put it with some cake. Vanilla's really good too. I've got my, my list of things that I like. But you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with licorice ice cream. Have you seen this stuff? Licorice anything for me. Just get it out of my presence. I, I don't want to be around that. I can't stand the taste of licorice. And that is more what God's talking about here. God says, you are not to have any other gods before me. As in, in my presence, there should be nothing in your life that could be considered a god. Nothing that could be considered an idol. Nothing that you are following. Only God in heaven. Only the one true God. That's who we follow. He's not saying no other gods in place of me, like in order. He's saying not in my presence at all. But how many of us will chase after our desires, our pride, the sin that we hold on to, or the cares of this world? Remember, the things that we follow are the things that we worship. And everyone follows something. So I want to take a test. It's like, oh man, it's in the school. We've got to take a test. This will be a good test. This will be a good test for us. This is the follower test. So I'm going to ask you seven questions. And I want you to think about this personally. What does it mean for me? How do I answer these seven questions? I've adapted this from that book I mentioned earlier. It's called Gods at War by Kyle Eidelman. It's excellent. I definitely recommend it. 
So in that book, he asks seven questions, and this helps you to identify what your priorities are and who you're following. Question number one, it's a heavy one. What disappoints you? What disappoints you? What do you just really get upset isn't happening right now in your life? Our disappointments reveal where our focus is. Are you disappointed in your job? Are you disappointed with your family? Are you disappointed with our government? Are you disappointed with how things are going in this world? Are you disappointed with God? Because he hasn't done what you thought he should do. Our disappointments will reveal what's going on in our heart. And they might be a good indicator that there is an idol in our heart that we need to remove. Number two, this one kind of goes along with it. What do you complain about the most? Might have should have left a little space on there, huh? A little extra space. What do you complain about the most? This is similar to the disappointment, but the complaining part, that's what you vocalize. So this might be good to get a second opinion on. If someone who, you know, if you have a spouse or a family member, maybe ask them, what do I complain about a lot? Might be a little revealing. Maybe you don't realize that you complain about this thing so much. Complaining is actually the opposite of worship. Because worship is focused on God and the blessings that he's given to us, what he's done for us, and who he is. When we have a constant complaining attitude, what we're doing is we're forgetting about those blessings. And we're just looking at our situation and how things aren't the way we want them to be. So complaining is actually the opposite of worship. Number three, where do you make financial sacrifices? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you were to take your checking statement, checking account statement, if you were to take your credit card bill and just organize them into categories... How much do I spend on entertainment? How much do I spend on memberships to things, subscriptions to things? How much do I spend on food? How much do I spend on this? How much do I give to the church? If you were just to organize, I mean, pretend like it's not even yours. Just, you know, grab your, grab your bank statement, grab your credit card statement, whatever else you have, and just act like you're going to organize and categorize for a complete stranger. Be a good indicator of where you're spending your money. What... Do you spend your money on? Where do you make your financial sacrifices? Number four, what worries you? What worries you? What causes you anxiety? What keeps you up at night? What makes you stressed out? What are the things that worry you? Because the things that we're worried about are an indication of what's really on the throne of our heart. Is it the future? Is it your job? Is it relationships? All these things can have the potential to become an idol in our lives. If something right now is paralyzing your faith, if you're like, I just can't trust God for that, that is an idol that needs to be smashed. Because if you think God can't overcome whatever it is that you're worried about, you've put way too much power in that thing. And way too little power in our God who can save. 
Number five, where is your sanctuary? Picture this. You just got home from a hard day at work. Just a hard day in general. Difficult day, you just got home, what do you do? Do you run to the freezer and get your favorite ice cream, maybe some Ben and Jerry's, strawberry shortcake, strawberry cheesecake? Do you turn on the TV and try to escape it with a movie or a video game or you pull out a book? Do you have a trusted friend that you call and you just sort of unload on and just, you know, I really need to get this off my chest? Do you smoke a pack of cigarettes? Do you get drunk? Do you go online and look at pornography? Do you do drugs as a way of escape? The things that we go to to find comfort, if they're not glorifying God, are an idol. Because God's word tells us that he is our place of safety. He is our refuge. He is the one that we should go to in times of trouble. He is the one who can lift us up and give us strength and ever-present help in our trouble. We are to look to him and him alone for our comfort and peace. But it's so easy to forget and to try to run to something else. What we run to will reveal what we're worshiping. Number six, what infuriates you? What drives you crazy? What I mean, we all have things that push our buttons. Is it the people in traffic that just drive you crazy because they're driving too slow or they're switching out of lanes? We give so much power to complete strangers. Your, day, your whole day can be completely ruined because of something that a stranger has done. What just makes you angry? Is it, is it politics? You just get so worked up on things that you just can't be around people. Maybe you're so competitive that you can't even play a pickup game of basketball for fun because if you lose, you're just so upset. Or maybe if your favorite sports team loses, you're just ruined for the rest of the day. The things that anger us indicate where our heart is. And what might be obvious to us is the biggest idol of all. The idol might be ourselves. I've been wronged. I didn't get my way. I'm inconvenienced. They're not listening to me. I'm taken for granted. Me, me, I, I. The biggest idol might be ourselves. And finally, number seven, what are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your dreams for the future? They say that nightmares could be revealing. Well, our dreams that we dream about during the day can be too. What do you want for your life? What do you want the goals in your life to be? Are they glorifying God or are they bringing glory to yourself? Remember what we read at the beginning of the message. We were designed to bring God glory. So if you're pursuing things that bring him glory, amen. That's what we're designed for. But if we're pursuing things to satisfy our own desires and our own appetites, then we've got idols that we need to remove. A.W. Tozer wrote back in the 1940s, 
before all this technology, before we even had padded pews in our churches, he said this, It is certainly true that hardly anything is missing from our churches these days, except the most important thing. We are missing genuine and a sacred offering of ourselves and our worship to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have everything. We have air conditioning and fans in this building. We've got comfy pews. We've got projectors. We've got screens. We've got peppermints on the way out. You can grab maybe if they haven't already been taken. We've got all these nice accommodations, but it means nothing if we are not worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in spirit and truth. All this stuff is just stuff. It is our job to bring glory to God. And we need to let God lead. It's how we were designed. It's how we will find the most fulfillment. And it's how this church will continue to thrive into the future. It's how you will grow in your faith. It's how you will help others find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. By following him with all of your heart. We all need to. And there's all there's areas that we can all improve on. No one's perfect. But we're in this together. So let's pursue him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you have designed us for this. That we are your children. That you gave us a spirit. That you set us apart from all other creation. You developed a relationship with us through Jesus Christ. You saved us from our sins. You've given us hope of eternal life. And you've partnered your Holy Spirit with each one of us. So God, I pray that we would follow you with all of our hearts. That you would lead Hartford Christian Church. That you would lead the individuals that are sitting here in this room. That you would lead their families. You would lead their friends. That you would lead a revival of people who will follow you in spirit and in truth. Because, Lord, you're the only way that leads to life. Forgive us for letting other things get in the way. Reveal to us the idols that we have that are, that are getting in between us and you, that we need to tear down right now. And give us conviction, Lord, that your way is the only way to life. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that needs to follow you for the first time, I pray that you would move in their spirit right now, that they would be convicted and they would come and they would follow you. And God, for each one of us, every single one of us here has things we need to lay down at your feet. May we do that humbly, truthfully, and receive your forgiveness. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.